2: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Monday, August 10th. 2020. And this has certainly been the strangest uh, year of my life. (laughs) I'm 42. Certainly been the strangest year of my life and it's not getting any less weird or strange. Vince, today, we're not going to talk Notre Dame football. We're going to talk college football and we're going to talk COVID-19 and we're going to talk this push going on by some uh, to cancel college football in two thousand twenty. Uh now, cancel meaning for two thousand twenty, I realize that there are people saying, well, we'll just play in the spring. Uh but my first question is, how do you know that? And what's gonna change in the next four months that makes you think that all of a sudden it's gonna be quote unquote safe to play college football relative to why it is now. Because if you're gonna play in the spring, that means fall camp starts January, February, which happens to be peak flu season. So we'll dive into why that is important to know. So, look, today, just to warn you right now if you, this is going to be a passionate podcast. And, Vince, you're on the show to try to keep me from going crazy (laughs) because you and I have talked about this topic a lot. And that doesn't mean we have the same opinion on everything. That's not the point. It's just that we've talked about this a lot. And I'm gonna try to keep it as fact based as I can, but there's gonna be some emotion. Y'all have listened to me for a long time know that when I get fired up, it's gonna be you know, I'm a former coach, I'm and a quarterback. So I'm not a meek, passive person, especially when I'm fired up. So there's gonna be some emotion today. If that offends you, if data that goes against your emotional view offends you, don't listen. Okay? Uh, If you want to hear me talk about politics, don't listen, because I'm not gonna. Okay, Now, I think this whole thing has been politicized, but there's no good that's going to come from us talking about that in this podcast, or at least making it a focus. So it's it's not that. This isn't what you're you're looking for. If you're looking for me to defend the right or defend the left or blame the right or blame the left, that's not the point of this conversation. We're going to talk about college football, we're going to talk about data, and we're going to talk about how... We have an utter lack of leadership in our country right now. And the focus today is going to be on that lack of leadership at the college football level and at the presidential level of colleges, especially two specific leagues. So, Vince, you ready to rock and roll on this? It's your last chance to opt out, buddy. No, I'm good. I say say let's roll. Okay. First and foremost, the news obviously came out the last couple days that uh, the Big Ten and Pac-12 are going to cancel their seasons The other part of that that I found interesting is, according to reports, the the Big Ten, the leadership of the Big Ten, is trying to convince other leagues to go with them. Now, I found this odd at first, but it didn't take very long for me to figure out why. The reality is, is if the Big Ten opts out, Barry Alvarez, the AD at Wisconsin, has already talked about the hundreds of millions of dollars that Wisconsin will lose if there's no football season this year in the fall. Correct. And so any decision-maker, president, or commissioner of the Big Ten that makes the decision not to play is making the decision knowing that hundreds of millions of dollars are going to be lost by each institution. There are 14 Big Ten institutions. That means together there's you're talking about over a billion dollars. Okay, right. yep. And if you make that decision and the ACC plays and Notre Dame plays and the Big 12 plays and the SEC plays, come to find out it's going to be all right and you just sacrificed a billion dollars over questionable data and other leagues didn't make that same decision, you're, you're done. You're out of a job. Let's be honest about that. There's no president that comes back from that at these colleges. You make that sacrifice, you're done. Here's the other part of it. There was also a report that came out that Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Nebraska were talking about if the Big Ten chooses not to play – they would join the Big 12 for a year. Now I don't know how legal that is, or if they'd have to get out of a contract, or whatever the case may be. I don't know if that how workable that would be, but there were reports that they were doing that. Another reason for the Big Ten to have uh, skin in the game in regards to making sure the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC don't play. So they're trying to put a lot of pressure on those other leagues. Now I think what they're doing now, and why they're holding off on announcing, is I think, and my you know based on what I'm gathering from different comments, is. That they're trying to talk other leagues into going along with them. If those leagues don't go, what I think the Big Ten and Pac-12 will do is they'll cancel anyway and hope that that the media will then turn the pressure up on the other leagues to not play. That's what I think is happening. Am I? You think I'm wildly off base here with this initial uh, assessment of situation, Vince? You know what? I don't. I, I'm. I'm.
1: If you told me to pick leagues that would opt out first. Uh, the Pac-12 would have been number one for me. Yeah, definitely. You know, for many reasons, both financial, both competitively, uh, the fact of where all of those schools are located, um, and the, the the people that live around those schools. Is that the, the PC way to put it? Yep. Um, and then, so they would have been my first choice. Uh, the Big Ten, I'm a little bit more surprised about. Um, I do find it interesting that the presidents are the ones pushing this when football, the money that football makes doesn't just go back into the football program. It doesn't just go into the other athletics on those campuses. It also goes into endowments, I believe. It also goes into academics. It goes into building. It goes into all of the different things that happen at a university. And many of the schools, or at least a decent number of the schools in the Big Ten, are academic institutions, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. And those schools are going to lose so much money for those programs that I think I am surprised that these academic presidents uh, are are pushing for this. I, I really am surprised uh, in
2: the Big Ten. That, that It does surprise me. I, will, I will say this in, in response to that. I would not be surprised if the data supported that kind of move. And and that's where this all comes down to for events. I'm okay. surprised they're making that decision when the data doesn't support such a decision. Sure. Yeah, right. Which tells me this is about a complete lack of leadership and courage. Sure. And I don't mean courage in regards to putting people at risk because the reality is if you're if you're putting people at a, at a greater risk then we need to have a serious conversation. And I guess that's really my ultimate problem is whatever happened to the ability to have a conversation? And that's where my politicization part comes in, because I think this has been politicized from every direction. This isn't just like a, you know, I've I've made a note, I'm a conservative, right? I don't think this is a situation where it's the left is doing this and that's the only people to blame. Everybody is politicizing this in one way or or another. I agree. So what I've tried to do this entire time is 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 use data. So let let's give some background here. Vince, you're aware of this. My wife came down with COVID nineteen back in April. Correct. Okay. Uh, and I remember the conversations you and I had to have at the time about, you know, doing shows and different things. You know, I had to get you a microphone and, you know, you're a <laughs> husband with five kids at the time. We didn't know how this was going to impact young people. So, you know, we had to make some tough decisions about, you know, how sure. we would interact and things like that because that's what you do. You go with the data that you know, and you make decisions to keep your family safe. And so we, we made those type of decisions. Uh, my wife got my wife didn't just have it because she went and got tested and felt okay. And she she had bad symptoms. And it actually happened on her anniversary, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but uh, she was sick. I mean, for a good week, she was sick. She had severe symptoms to the point where a couple times I really was at the verge of just throwing her over my shoulder, putting her in the car, and taking her to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so, so again, I'm, I'm I'm upfront and personal with this with this thing. The other thing I had somebody say to me the other day when I I made a comment about how they they need to play college football, and somebody said, "Oh, you're putting money and your job ahead of you know health and safety." Well, let me make something clear. If there's football this year, I'm assuming they're going to let us be at games. I think there's going to be some limitations, but there's still going to be photographers at games. There's still going to be things that are going on. My wife will be on the sidelines of every game taking photos for the for my website at every game. Do you think for a second – if and she's in a more vulnerable category age-wise than, than college football players. Sure. Do you think for a second that I would allow my wife anywhere near a college football stadium if I thought that this was something that was going to create an increased risk of death for her? You're out of your mind. There's not a job more important to me than my wife – there's not a job more important to me than my own health and there's not a job more important to me than your health Vince because what people don't know is you and I've known each other for over a decade we're friends not just colleagues absolutely at first and, and, friends and, first yes exactly and if you and you would be at games with me if you think that I would risk any of our health and safety to save my job hey look I have a college degree I have a lot of different things I could do okay it, 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 you know what I mean. Like I'm, I don't need. I love this job. I want this job. Sure. But if it came down to it, to where it's like I had to sacrifice this job for the health and safety of my family, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And as a former college football coach, who's had players that he cared about and loved that still have relationships with, one of my former players was a was one of the best men at my wedding. Was a groomsman in my wedding. You know what I mean? Like when 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 I got back, when I got out of covering Notre Dame and got back into coaching. Every Thursday night, my players would be over at my house. My wife would make this big huge meal for all of them. Sure. I care about players. You know what I mean? Not not just to the point where these players are are a part, you know my livelihood depends on on these players playing, forget beyond that. It's I I I was a college football player. I was a college football coach. I care about these young kids and that's why I'm passionate about what I do. So if you think for a second that I would say, "Hey, let them play because of a financial decision, you're out of your mind." If, if I thought the risk was there, and that's what this all boils down to, and that's kind of back to what you said, Vince, is the the I'm shocked that Big Ten schools are making this. I guess I shouldn't be. When you see how you know, okay, I'm gonna stop myself (laughs) from going down a different direction. I'm gonna stick on this point, okay? I'm shocked that based on the the data that we know, the the and and it's it's not just coming, and, and again. I don't watch the news. Somebody said today, oh, you get your information. I haven't watched Fox News in, in months, months, because I got rid of that channel. I don't have ESPN on my cable channel either, right? I've And, and, and I don't read news outlets when it comes to this topic. I read science journals. I read what pediatri- pediatric uh, uh, groups have put out. So when I'm having a conversation with my sister about whether or not she should allow her children to go back to school, I'm not re- I'm not getting my news from Fox News or CNN or, or anybody else cuz cuz they're not going to give me data that's going to help me make, help my sister make an informed decision. And if you think that my my niece my three nieces and my nephew's health is less important to me than my politics or my job, you're out of your flipping mind, mm-hmm. okay? So my decision to encourage her to send her kids back to school was based on data. It was based on what every single legitimate pediatric study that has come out uh, from other countries in our countries has said. They they they're, they're, they're going to be okay and that's kind of where we get to with this. So, first of all, well, can I can yeah, I yeah, step please. in real quick cuz yeah, I want to make that.
1: sure because you you know and you were very kind to me last night when we talked and you said, "Look, step in on this podcast if you don't want to for various reasons." And I felt that it was important that I be here um, for, for a multitude of reasons, but you just kind of outline how personally you have skin in the game, right? hmm And you mentioned that I have a wife and I have five kids and my five kids range in age from five years old to 13. And so I have, my youngest is going into kindergarten this year, okay? Mm-hmm. And my oldest is in middle school. He's in eighth grade. So he's almost in high school and everybody, and then everywhere in, in between. And you and I have talked about those journals we've talked about all all of the all of the different things and i'm a teacher that's my 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 day job if you will is is as a teacher in a high school level i'm a high school head coach etc and not only have i seen the effects of canceling a season because i'm a head coach in the spring Mm -hmm. what i what it did to my players what it did to me frankly i i was pretty depressed um but obviously those decisions were made over my head uh You know we had a decision whether we wanted to send our kids back to school in person obviously that decision was taken away from us when they decided that everybody was going to go virtual but at the time we had that decision to make and i asked all kinds of people not only because am i going to be in person with 150 different kids in my classroom slash gym but also in the hallways with all of these kids etc but my own children okay my own flesh and blood we decided my wife and i as a group to send my kids back to school for a multitude of reasons. Number one, medically, we felt that there was very, very low risk. It, it, I'm sorry to everything that I have read, everything that I've seen, everybody that I have talked to, uh, with a level head has backed that up. Mm-hmm. Number two, from an educational per- uh, standpoint, look, I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. Education is very, very important to me. And not only you know my son who is in all advanced classes taking high school level classes etc last year as a seventh grader and then of course again as an eighth grader he learned nothing from the time that we left school in march until today because of virtual learning e-learning whatever you want to call it he learned nothing he was there every day he did all the work he did everything he was supposed to he learned nothing I have a son who's going into kindergarten are you telling me that a five-year-old is going to get anything out of virtual learning uh with a teacher when all kindergarten is about is those personal relationships with a stranger who becomes the teacher who becomes the third most important uh human adult in the kid's life uh is he gonna get that from watching a computer screen no he's not it's gonna be a complete waste of time in my opinion and then all of my my daughters as well they're they're not gonna get anything out of e-learning so from an educational standpoint i don't care what all of these people in charge say these kids don't get anything from, from virtual learning. And at the collegiate level, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Okay? You don't get anything out of it. Some some very small group, they might excel in this. But the vast majority, they absolutely do not.
2: Because okay? so much of learning is interaction.
1: Absolutely. It's relationships. It's interaction. It's being able to raise your hand and go one-on-one with the teacher and be like, look, I don't get this. Can you help me out? And, and 45 it's teachers seconds being later, able to invest
2: yes. in young people. Yes. Like, like, look. Let me let me tell you a story about you know about my time in college, Vince, because I appreciate you doing that. I had a professor one time. Again, I've never hid my political leanings. I'm I'm so conservative. I can't stand Republicans. Okay, (laughs) Uh, and and that's my view. You know, some some of my best friends are not that way. But here's the deal. I had a professor one time. I was taking a phil I think it was philosophy class, and she and I would argue every single day, every single day. She and I would disagree and argue. And towards the end of the semester, she she calls me into the office. And she, or she says, hey, I want to see you. And I'm like, oh, crap. She's going to tell me I flunked the class and all this other kind of stuff. And she came in, and we had like an hour and, a half long, hour, hour and a half long conversation. By the end of the conversation, she was saying, hey, have you thought about changing your major to philosophy? You know what I mean? Because like, she invested in me, the debating, the arguing, what I found at the end. I just thought she didn't like me. What I found yeah. at the end is she was trying to challenge me. Yeah, absolutely. She never told me I had to believe what she believed. She challenged me. She wanted me to think for myself. She wanted me to be able to defend the arguments that I was making. And sometimes I could, and sometimes she'd stump me, and I'd have to go back and, and kind of rethink my thoughts and you know come up with a different line of argument. And that's what it was about. You can't you can't really do that as effectively from a virtual learning standpoint. But let's let's get back on track to this football thing. First of all, Big Ten is gonna cancel their season, Pac-12 is gonna cancel their season. It, it is what it is, no matter what their players are saying. But I find yeah. it interesting that there's a lot of people who are on the boat of the players need representation, the players need to be paid, the players are this, the players are that. We need to listen to the needs of the players until now. Now when the players say they want to play, those same people are like, well, you know – let the adults in the room make these decisions.
1: Okay, can I? I want to interject
2: real quick, and I won't go long on this. Just one. interject, because this is going to be like this the whole show. It's going to be a fired up show. So just interject, buddy. Well, Let's. I want this to be live. I want this to be real. I want this to be something that people can cuz people are having these same conversations at, at, with others. And, well, and so let's just keep it like that. You don't have to you don't have to say hey, can I interject? Just <laughs> let's just have it. Let's just have this conversation. Well, from from a local standpoint, obviously I got a lot of skin in the game at the high school level,
1: right? And so there's a lot of that going on right now. Do we cancel sports at the high school level? Do you know, whatever. My big argument against canceling any kind of sport, but especially at the high school and the college level. Look, we as parents Okay, we assume the risk of our kids playing athletics. It is a voluntary act. There, nobody is forcing our children to participate in athletics. Mm-hmm. Okay, nobody has a gun to a parent's head. Nobody has a gun to the kid's head if they want to participate in football or any other sport for that matter. You assume that risk. Mm-hmm. Don't, I don't want some pencil pusher to tell me as a parent that I'm not allowed to make that decision for my kid. Mm-hmm. And if any coach or any player or any official or anybody else that wants to opt out or they don't want to be a part of it, peace be with you. Yes. That's and, fine. Their,
2: and their scholarship should be honored.
1: I, a, a, absolutely. And at the high school level, look, we'll welcome you back later with open arms, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But don't take away my choice to participate in athletics.
2: How many to, how many of these presidents that are voting to end their seasons do you think have stood in front of their their players and said, "Here's the case guys. Here's what here's the data, here's the science, here's why we don't think you should play football." How many of them do you think are doing that? Uh, I'm going to go with a hard 0. I bet you there might be one or two. That's about it. That's about it.
1: I would be surprised. I really would.
2: I'm just trying to be nice today. That's I'm fair. trying to give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> that's fair.
1: I'm not. But nice. I don't
2: think that they are. I don't think these leaders are. St- and you know what they're going to do? They're not going to stand in front of their teams. They're going to talk to the coaches. They're going to make the coaches go down there and explain it to of them. Of course, that's they what are. they're going to do. If the, if Notre Dame made the decision not to play football, I mean, I, I, if I it'd be it'd better be Father Jenkins in the board that stands in front of that team. They better not make Brian Kelly or Jack Swarbrick have to go do it. You know what I mean? Uh, and 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 that's a big part of of my frustration with a lot of this stuff is is they're making decisions and and all of a sudden the play they don't care about the players right and now you could say well that's kind of always been the way presidents are at schools right they they haven't cared about players for a long time and I would agree with that but my frustration is as many in the media who've pushed back against those presidents who haven't cared about players in the past are now jumping on board with those presidents now you know what I mean and the facts are this if 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 COVID-19 for young people was what, the, what some people say it is, this is the United States of America. Players should have the right to choose to play or not to play. Now, if you don't want to expose others to it, then don't let fans in the stands. But let them play. Let them play. Give them the facts. This is, this is what frustrates me so much with, with a lot of the things going on. My dad and I were talking the other day about the mask policies. And my whole thing is this. I would be so more. I would. I, I would be so less against the idea of the effectiveness of masks, if we hadn't had so much hypocrisy and politicization of the issue. If they just would have sat down and said, "Hey, listen, here's the here's why we're asking you to wear masks. Here's the effectiveness of mask or lack thereof of certain masks. It's not going to do this. It's not going to do that." And, and and look, it's not, gonna, it's not this end-all, be-all thing that's going to keep you safe, so we need you to do A, B, C, and D. And then now as free Americans, you have the right to go out or not. You have the right to open your business or not. You have the right to make this choice or not. Here's the data. Now go make an informed decision. And then I think as a people, we would say, you know what, Let, let's, let's do the right thing. You, you know what I mean? Most people would be that way, and some people wouldn't, but those people aren't going to wear masks anyway. Right? It's the whole thing of we, we whatever happened to being able to to give people real information and let them make tough decisions on their own, which is what we do every single day. Now, the second part of that, Vince, is let's dive into some numbers. Let's dive into some data. I spent an hour last night talking with a friend of mine who's an epidemiologist, okay? And now he is someone who's worked on the government level and in the private level with coronaviruses in the past, okay? Let's just give you some background. And so here's some data that I've been able to to gather, not just from him, because I don't think you should ever just listen to one source on anything, because you're always going to have, you know, like people say, science is settled. There's very, very, very few things in this world that science is settled on, okay? So you, you take as much information as you can, and you try to come to some sort of, okay, this is what seems as good science and what's not, okay? Okay. Now, here's what I've been able to gather, and this is CDC information, okay? So this isn't coming from some right or left-wing source. This is CDC information, okay? The, the the COVID-19 has been around as long as a normal flu season now. The, the, the timing is different, like, you know, normal uh, flu seasons from October to February, right? This was more from kind of February, March to, to now, okay? And what we've seen is this has been a devastating virus, a devastating virus, over 150,000 people dead. And again, I'm going to just grant those numbers. I don't want to argue with you know uh, false reporting and, hey, this guy died in a motorcycle accident and they said it was COVID-19. I'm not even going to get into that because even if you removed all those, we're still talking six figures most likely, and, and that's devastating. I mean, we had a bad flu season two years ago, and the estimations were that about 80,000 people died, right? So this has been a lot more. But the frustrating thing for me is, is that when we have these conversations, people are throwing out broad numbers in an attempt to silence anyone that wants to have a difference of opinion? So what you hear are death to- death numbers and total cases. Okay, first of all, the total cases is astronomically lower than what the estimates are on a, on a typical flu season. I think I saw yesterday the total number of cases was what like five million. Yeah, I think that's about where we're at it's usually 35 to 50 million are the estimates for flu season of people that have that cut that are that are, have the flu virus okay when you look at the 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 overall numbers okay it, it's dangerous now part of that is because we are doing you know certain things to try to limit risk and people are being more conscientious that we other than we uh, more than what we would do during a normal flu season right where we've just kind of accepted flu as part of our life and we don't take the precautions at all so we probably should. During flu season, and I know as a parent you probably do take more precautions than you know just the normal people. But you, the, the frustrating thing is, you just throw out those numbers. It doesn't really, it doesn't really speak to what what we're addressing today, which is should there be college football? Because when you throw out those random numbers, not every age group, just like any other virus, not every age group is going to be impacted the same. And I think one of the misconceptions is that young people are always less vulnerable to certain things than older people. Well, that's not true. As, as I was doing some studying and then talking to my, to my friend last night, there have been viruses in the past that were, that were far more dangerous than, than to young people than COVID-19. Um, my understanding from a conversation with him last night is that was one of the things that made the Spanish flu back in 1918 so dangerous and why it killed 50 million people. Because it was far more dangerous on younger people, because at that time younger people had never been, uh, they've never been kind of there was there was no virus that kind of was like that, so their body had no immunity, no antibodies, no no protection against that. Okay, Mm -hmm. we've had other COVIDs, uh, other coronaviruses before. Now this is a different strand, and that's what made it's made it more more dangerous. But the same thing was true two years ago when we had a, a a flu. Strand because there's hundreds of different strands of the flu. It's not just Correct. one yep. uh, that was f- what was had mutated to the degree that a lot of people didn't have immunity to it, so it killed double what it normally does. Okay, that's that's science, right? Now, when we study these numbers, we we're not having a real conversation about it. Now, my frustration is I've never in my lifetime been in a situation where we spend so much time dealing with healthy people and not focusing on people who are actually the most vulnerable. And here's, here's what I have found by, by studying actual numbers. COVID-19 while devastating has been especially devastating to older people. Okay. Correct. So as I, as I look at the numbers of COVID-19, this is again, CDC data. Okay. If you look at the number of deaths, I think uh, the 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 no, I have it. It's, it's as of August first. So there's there's a few more to it. But as of August first, I looked at the numbers and and in of the hundred and this is at the time I think it was like 145 deaths. Of those deaths, 130,000 of them were of people aged 55 and older. 113 of them were people 65 and older that's where the astronomical numbers are going. And in fact, of of children 0 to 14, the average flu deaths for children 0 to 14, so that's like, you know, 6 months old to 14, in the past 2 years, two flu seasons, was about 500 per year. As of August 5th, according to COVID-19, there were 45. It's a, it, quite lower. And and when you look at people 30 and under, it's 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 on par and lower than what it's been in past flu seasons okay and now as you get older, it becomes more dangerous and more deadly but you got to start getting a lot older to, to, to have it be something and the other thing we're not talking about, which frustrates me, why are we not discussing the people that are affected by this who are affected by, by this because they had certain pre-existing health issues that right. made them more vulnerable? Okay, why aren't we having those conversations? And again, this is, to me, part of the politicization of it. Okay, because, again, if this is about safety and that's what it should be about, if this is about keeping Americans uh, in the know so they can make informed decisions, why aren't we talking about that as much as we're just throwing out random numbers? You know what I mean? And acting as if this is this is this is how it impacts everybody, because that's not accurate. And the problem is, is that if we think we're all just as vulnerable, then we start making poor decisions. If we if we had greater uh, education on who the most vulnerable are, then we could all make smarter choices about who we need to you know, who we need to be protecting, who we need to be making. You know, So, for example, uh, based on my data, I'm not much of a mask wearer, but, you know, when I went to visit my 89 year old grandmother, I made sure I wore a mask. We were going to go home and visit my family recently. My 89-year-old grandmother was with my parents. My dad is over 60. My mom's over 60. I had been feeling some health issues. So before we went on vacation, I went and made sure I had a COVID test. I went and got a couple other tests done because I was not going to go see my family if I could potentially put them at risk. So I understand that this is a very, very deadly virus. It absolutely is. The numbers speak to that. But it's a deadly virus for a small, small part of the population. And we're spending so much time dealing with everybody but that population when we're having this conversation. And that's the frustrating thing for me. And when you look at how this affects young people, here's some data for you, Vince. Influenza A and B, which are two of the most common strains of influenza, statistics show, data shows, is far more dangerous to young people, 30 and under, than is COVID-19. That's that's scientific data. That is data. That is not my opinion. That's not coming from a news source. That's coming from scientific journals and my talks with my, my with my epidemi, epidemiologist friend. Yeah. Okay? So we have allowed college football players to play during flu seasons and college basketball players to play during flu seasons, which are in most strands tend to be more dangerous to them than what COVID-19 has proven to be. Okay. Now another another thing that I've heard is the long term. People talk about you know, hey, there's there's a risk of long term cardiovascular issues. This this is true. This is true. That 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 is true. That's also true. Of the flu. And and as I and I'm going to read you what my what my what my friend wrote last night. We were talking about um we were talking. I asked him about this because I wanted to know because like look, this is a situation where uh forget the, forget college football. This is something. I, I'm a I'm a husband to a wife who had this. I need to. I want to know about the long-term impacts that this could have on a cardiovascular health. I've, I've read a study. I saw a study that the only study I've really seen about that was a study done in Germany. Now, again, here's why facts matter. As I read that study, number one, it was a study done on I think it was a hundred people or a thousand people. I can't remember what the, the 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 number was, but it was people who had been symptomatic. Okay. Well, the problem is. COVID-19 is mostly asymptomatic. I believe my numbers have shown that I think over 90% of the people that get it are asymptomatic, which is part of the fear some people have, which is this is a very contagious virus. And so since most people are asymptomatic, you don't know that you have it, which means you, you're you spreading it more, more, uh, uh, there's a potential for greater spread, right? That's a, that's a legitimate part of the conversation. You know, so I wanted to ask this because that's an important thing. You can't have college football players with greater risk of cardiovascular issues because of this. Okay, but in that in that German study, they were symptomatic people. The median age was forty nine, so it was obviously an older population. And heart attacks can, uh, uh, in in Germany, heart disease, based on the medical journals I read last night, heart disease in Germany accounts for forty percent of the deaths there. In the United States, it's 23%. And as I dove into more studies, that's it's, there are it, it heart disease is more prevalent in Germany than it is in the United States. Those things have to be considered into it, right? And those don't really impact 20-something-year-olds, 19, 18, 19-year-old college football athletes. It's a completely Correct. different situation. Okay? So – you know, I, so I, I kind of talked about about him, and, and I asked him. I say, is this a real thing? And so, number one, anyone saying there's long term problems with this is guessing, because well, we're not this hasn't been away from exactly. It. Second of all, what they don't say is this is the same thing that happens to people that get influenza. So this is what I asked my friend last night. I asked him about this, and his his quote was, uh, "That's just so rare. People get secondary infections from all sorts of viruses and can die from it. That's what kills most people from the flu." But the numbers are so low for the long-term cardiovascular issues when discussing people under 60. The key also is overall health. A lot of the stories fail to mention prior health conditions, which is the leading cause of neg- negative outcomes for COVID. And so then I asked him a, a, you know, sort of a follow-up question, and he goes, Look, your average 20-year-old athlete has about 10,000—this 10, 10, is an epidemiologist that's worked for the United States government and private businesses with dealing with past coronaviruses, Okay. He says, your average 20-year-old athlete has about 10,000 times more likely to chance to die in a motor vehicle accident than to die from COVID. And about the same chance of being severely injured in a motorcycle accident or motor vehicle accident as having long-term effects from COVID. We haven't stopped driving yet, have we? It's the number one cause of death between the ages of 1 to 54 in the United States. We still drive in the millions every day. And the, the thing that he kept saying to me is there's no scientific data that says this is more dangerous to college football players than to play, than if not to play. And that's really what it boils down to for me. In fact, he made his case that, look, this is a virus. People are eventually going to get it. At some point in time, people are going to get this, like every other virus. There was a time where we could have maybe stopped it, but that, like we did, I think it was a SARS outbreak in 2009, but that was a higher potency, like a higher death rate, but less, uh, less, spreadable disease so we were able to quarantine and kind of kill that virus off. That's not how most viruses are and by the time it got here from China, it was And this again, this is a scientific thing, this isn't a political thing. That's where it started. That's all I'm saying. It just it started there. That's where the outbreak began. It came here. By the time it got here, it was already at the point where there was no there was no stopping it. It's going to it's going to spread. It's going once it hits like multiple continents, it's it's going to spread. Okay? So people are going to get it. So his thing was there's a danger of people getting it with influenza. You know, you know what I mean? So as we try to slow down the spread, there's there's some more dangers to come. I didn't dive too much into that with him because that's not something I've spent a lot of time on. But that is something that's out there too. And there's the whole herd, herd immunity aspect of it. So, I mean, there's so many different angles of this. But we're I feel what frustrates me, Vince, is we're not having these conversations. But here's here's what I come down to at the end of the day. After giving you all that data about how this isn't as dangerous... As the flu for the current age group of people that we're talking about, okay? Which is college athletes, college students, okay? Here's my other point. By not playing, how are they less... How are they more safe? By not playing, by not having around their teammates... By not having them in organized activities for so much of the day, because all these folks that talk about you know player rights and all these kind of things, what do they always say? Well, these kids are in you know the, the twenty hours a week. Ha ha ha! They're not. They're definitely in it more. Okay, so now you get rid of that structured environment. You get rid of the fact that there's weekly testing for every single player. When a player tests positive, he's quarantined for a week. They do contact tracing. They let everybody know that he was around. That this is going on. OK, they're in college campuses, Notre Dame and all these other schools, the power five schools have first class medical staffs that can take care of these kids if they're sick. The other part of this is most of these kids are asymptomatic, the vast majority are asymptomatic. But the ones that aren't, you have first class medical training for it, right? The school fits a lot of that bill. Are you going to send these kids home? You're going to lock them in their bedrooms for the next five months? You're going to lock their parents in their bedrooms the next 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 five months so they can't go work? Are they going to be less? Are they going to be more safe, more protected by not playing? Does not playing football somehow slow the spread of COVID nineteen? Does it now mean the players are going to be less vulnerable to it? Are they going to? Are they going to send everybody? Like here's the thing: these colleges that are canceling football still plan on having in-person college classes, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Zero cents. So if you're going to cancel college football, send everybody home. And if you're going to send everybody home, leave college <laughs> players on campus. Right? Absolutely. Because uh, uh, Lorenzo Lingard, who's a running back for Florida, had, had a great, great tweet last night. And, and it speaks to – and Trevor Lawrence followed up on this, but I, w- I want to read Lorenzo Lingard's too because what, what's not being discussed is what happens to these kids when they stop playing football. What happens to these kids when you cancel the season? Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? You know you're now going to be out in your population. you think these again, you think these kids are just going to sit at home? Part of the reason these kids are so disciplined right now is because they have something to be disciplined for. They have a purpose. Their purpose is, I want to play football this year. And Lorenzo Lingard said this, I want to play, even if we got to be locked in. nothing at home for me. That's a lot of kids absolutely Trevor Lawrence here's what Trevor Lawrence had to say people and and here's a big frustration I have as I read things like what Trevor Lawrence said Master Teague has been such I'm such a huge Master Teague fan now and it started that back during the uh around the time of George Floyd he had such a brilliant response about um about unity and 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 all those type of things he's such a great kid I've done some some talking to some people I know that know him and just a phenomenal young man, but they've both been such great leaders, and I just wish that we had that same le- level of intelligence and leadership and character at the presidential and conference level. I'm just, okay, here's what Trevor Lawrence had to say: People are just, and this is what he said on Twitter, people are at just as much, if not more, risk if we don't play. Players will all be sent home to their own communities, where social distancing is highly unlikely, and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they want to con- if they contact contract COVID nineteen. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them, their future, and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes players being safe and taking all of the right precautions to try to avoid contracting COVID because the season, teammates' safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear a mask and take the proper precautions. I talked to someone today. Who said that when Notre Dame players were given four or five days off this past week, you know, because they were they had been on campus since June. Right. That there was a, a, a team gathering and the leaders of the team said, basically, if I hear that you're out of parties, if I hear that you're doing this, if I hear you're doing that, you might as well consider yourself opted out.
1: Exactly. It's about being a good teammate. Yeah.
2: That's what it's about. But why? Why did they say that? Because they want to play. Absolutely, they want to play, and so there's incentive for them to make. What happens when? Well, there's no season. There's no season. So, all right. Well, no, no practices, no work. All big. I'm reading on seeing on Twitter right now, because I got Twitter up as we're doing the show. Because, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the Big Ten is is any minute. So, um, you know, so so that there's a lot of breaking news. But you're, you're seeing on you're seeing on Twitter, you know. Big 10 can't teams canceling practice. Well, what are those kids going to do now? They were in a controlled environment around people who have a, a vested interest in keeping them safe. Co- college coaches who make their money off coaching, right, have a vested interest in keeping their players safe. Even if they didn't care about the kids and all they cared about was their team and their season, they still have a vested interest in keeping their kids safe. And, and if you know coaches like I do, there's jerks in every profession, Absolutely right. There's people who don't give a crap about kids in every profession, for sure. Okay, but there's also a lot of coaches who give a rip about their kids. The vast we've, we've majority. We've talked about Mike. Vast majority. We talked about Mike Elston. Mike Elston's a father with three daughters, and I'm only saying that not because I'm giving personal information, but he tweets pictures of his daughters. So, yeah, all so the time. We, we all know, right? Uh, he brings his players to his home as much as the NCAA will allow, right? Because he gives a crap about his kids. You know, if he was just someone who was oh, just coaching, he he would never do that, right? Uh, Jeff Quinn, from everything I've heard, uh, treats his kid treats players like family. Like there's so many coaches that are that way. Well, and the flip
1: side of that is the players then feel like they're part of that family. Yes. I mean, you brought up the Coach Elston uh, example, and of course, anybody that follows Coach Elston or his wife on Twitter will know that the players then go and support his daughters
2: when they're doing yeah. something athletically what was it he or had or a whatever. recruiting thing or something like that that he had to be at right and there was a father-daughter dance so Kurt Heinish yeah. took his daughter to the it, dance exactly that's family yes so Mike Elson you so Mike Elson has a vested interest in in keeping these kids safe from a professional standpoint but like most coaches he also has a personal investment in it do you think he wants to be around players with COVID that he can then take home to his daughters and his wife exactly you you know what i mean like let's use some common sense here okay And, and as the players have said right now with when there is a season there's something to look forward to there's a reason to stay focused there's a reason to stay uh make the right decisions you start sending all these kids home to hot spots you know, uh, to places where their parents have no choice but to go work because they need to put food on the table and pay rent and all those other kind of things, okay? Uh, You think they're going to be less vulnerable by not playing? They're going to be more vulnerable. So these people that say that this is about safety, okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say that you actually believe that. And, And I think there are people that do. I think there's a lot of misinformed people that have this notion that, you know what, the, the government wouldn't lie to me, the media wouldn't lie to me, this there's <laughs> ju- this is just science. And, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I think there's actually people that believe that. And I know for when I was younger, I thought that. I mean, sure. I thought that the left was going to lie to me, but I didn't think politicians on the right would lie to me when I was a kid. Oh, well, I found out right away that there, <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't true, right? You know, I was someone who, who grew up taught to love and respect this country. And as I've gotten older and older and older, I have – Less and less and less of a use for government because you realize that that, that they're, they're out for themselves. They're not out for us. A lot of them. not. I mean, there's good people and bad people in all professions, right? And, and I'm going to give those people the benefit of the doubt and think that they truly believe that their position of canceling the season comes from a place of caring about the players. I have to ask you this. What data related to players of, that the age of these players are the lifestyles of these players are the the his the 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 uh, medical backgrounds because a these kids are all healthy these kids are all you know college football players so you know they're in some they've had passed physicals they've done all these kind of things they've worked hard they're in great shape all these different things they are the least vulnerable least vulnerable people in our society correct and I'm not talking opinion I'm talking scientifically medical data. Pick anything that you wanna do, that is true. Look,
1: I am I pulled up the CDC website while we're talking, okay? And it's got the up-to-date data tracker, and it's got the nice little bar graphs and everything else, right? Five to 17, because I brought up my kids, so I looked at that, five to 17 years old, 48 total deaths out of the 120,593. 120, that is point zero 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 three nine .00039%, okay? the age group that we're talking about they break it down in 10 year spans so 18 to 29 there have been 603 deaths that's 0.5%. Now look 603 families were negatively affected by this and there you cannot say like there's people out there that say well that's 603 too many. I could not agree more. Right. I could not agree more. But there also is an inherent risk in playing football and there's an inherent risk in walking down the street and you know somebody put out there the other day about how there, you know people die of alcoholism and drug overdoses and somebody was like well that's not something you can just not do that and then you take that risk away okay I agree with that but there are higher statistics of driving a car as you had mentioned and everybody's driving cars I'm sorry there's nobody that is not going to drive a car and if they're not driving their own car they're taking the bus or whatever, they're taking some sort of transportation, okay? I, these are all voluntary acts that you participate in on a daily basis, and they are light years more dangerous than playing football with this in the air. And that, that's that, that's how I feel, and and especially with go- kids going back to class and going back to school and everything else. The, the numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. They don't lie. They're right yeah. here in front of me.
2: I'm looking at these bar graphs. They're right there. And look, it, it, what what frustrates me is so many people try to use these Trump cards. Well, you know, all people, all lives matter. And I'm not talking about the the black lives matter. I'm just talking about like when it comes to like these deaths and things like that. All lives matter in these situations, and we should never just throw out random numbers of people that have died and act like it's not a big deal. It is anytime someone loses their life, it's a big deal. But here's my first question: Is number one is like you had said, people lose lose their lives. Thirty. I'm looking at an article right here that says I think is in 2018, 2019, thirty eight thousand, almost thirty nine thousand people lost their lives in car crashes. Going to stop having people drive cars? Of course not. Right. Exactly. People, people die from choking on a on a on a you know chicken wing bone. That's <laughs> tragic. I'm not making fun. That's tragic. I'm going to stop serving chicken wings. Right. Like, and this is the whole point. This is a this is a country that's based on being a free people. At what point in time do we stop using fear to try to get people to make decisions that you want, and start saying, "Here's the facts. Here's the data." Go make a smart choice. Do you know why I haven't died in a car accident? Part of it is because of luck, but part of it is because I got in several accidents when I was a teenager because I was an idiot. I drove like a <laughs> moron, right? And I thought it was cool to drive one handed in my car and act, you know, cool and all. That. And I got like five or six accidents before I was like 23, 24 years old. But then you realize, like, okay, this isn't a joke, right? I mean, these were like small accidents, like, okay, I'm driving too fast, so I couldn't stop in time or what, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't, I mean, five or six, two, three or four. Okay. And and you make you, you realize like okay this this you start being safer you start you know being smart because you realize okay an accident isn't just me putting my life at risk it's putting somebody else's life at risk when you're exactly. driving a car okay? and you start to realize that when you get a little older correct that's just facts correct yeah. and, and so so you make you make hey look you want to avoid. Getting in a car wreck. Here's steps that you take. Don't run red lights. You know, <laughs> look. Bo- you know, and, and I'm I'm being like you know. I know things you are. You teach, just, you're going to be teaching you your do. son those in a couple oh, years. Oh, you know stop, what I mean? Stop. Um, and so he can then drive to my house to mow the lawn instead of riding his bike to mow <laughs> my lawn. Uh, he did a great job yesterday, by the way. It's good. I'm glad. Um, but but the the point being that you give us information. You want to lower the risk of heart disease, which is, I believe, the number one killer in our country. Here's the steps that you take. You don't ban, although New York has done this, okay, you don't ban all these foods that can potentially lead to heart disease, right? You say, hey, if you don't want heart disease, or at least you want to lower your risk of heart disease, because you can't completely eliminate it. You can't eliminate a lot of diseases. But if you want to avoid these, you know, if you want to take steps to, to, to lessening your odds... Here's what you don't do. You want to lessen your chances of not smoke, of not dying of lung cancer? Don't smoke. If you don't smoke, does that mean you won't die of lung cancer? No. You just lessen your odds. Correct? So you make choices. Hey, correct. you want to yeah. smoke? Smoke. But here's the reality of it. Here's the risk that you run. Okay? And then you, you make your informed decision. And my whole thing is, why are we not putting the truth out there? Why are we not having real conversations about, hey, college football players – Here's the risk that you run. Do you want to play or not? And no shame. If you don't want to play, we get it. No shame.
1: Everybody gets to – that's the thing about informed decisions. You know, if you live at home with your grandma and you don't want to bring it home to her, look, I get it. Right, right. That you know what that's fine there's 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 you know officials uh at the high school level for um for football that are opting out this season because they themselves are either in one of the higher risk right. categories or they live with a mother who they're taking care of I think
2: of. Dave Claussen the head coach at Clemson is basically I believe if I read this correctly someone correct me if I'm wrong but I believe he's quarantining from his wife during the season cuz she go. has some sort of medical condition that would make her more vulnerable to it Right, That is a coach making an informed decision. He's in Wake
1: Forest, though, right?
2: Yes. You said Clemson. I'm sorry, Wake Forest. It's okay. I just saw a Clemson tweet. Um, (laughs) But you know what Wake Forest did today? Wake Forest football today sent out a tweet as a team saying they wanted to play.
1: Exactly. This is a
2: head coach who has had to quarantine from his family, from his wife, to coach football. He made that decision, Right. He's isolating from – I'm reading this article right now from ESPN. Uh, he's, he's isolating from his wife, who's a cancer survivor. Because one thing I have read is uh, if, you're, if you have cancer or if you had cancer, then you're more at risk of potential complications from this. Sure. Right? And the article says here, Clawson said doctors told his wife that due to a reduced white blood cell count, she is at a higher risk for complications she could contract COVID-19. Okay. That's a vulnerable person. And now he might have had to make the decision to not coach this year because of that. that would That's a decision he would have to make. Okay. He chose to, to do it in quarantine, right? And basically isolate himself. He made that choice. His players get to make that choice. We should be giving people information. Hey, we're talking about sending your kids back to school. Here's the facts. Here's the data we have from our country. Here's the data we have from the, I think, 19 or 20 other European nations who have sent their kids back to school or never stopped having their kids go to school. Here's the data. Make your decision, okay? College football players, every flipping president and doctor that's involved in this decision not to play needs to get their tails in front of their team and say, here's the risk, here's the dangers, here's why you don't think you should play. But honestly, guys, it's going to be up to you. Now, you got to sign a waiver, which I don't understand why that's hard. Because I had to sign a waiver before every season I played college football.
1: Uh, I sign waivers every time my kids go to the planetarium.
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, <laughs> if I if I tear my knee up, I can't. I'm not can't sue the school. It's the <laughs> risk I get from playing football. Like I'm right. 42 years old, right? And for since I've been in my 20s, I have shoulder problems. My wrists are weak. My ankles are weak. I have knee problems. I have back problems all because I played college football. I had a terrible offensive line.
1: (laughs) That's why.
2: You know what I would do if I could go back and do it all over again and say, you know what, don't play football, and you're not going to have that pain. I'd still still play play football. You'd still play. Because I want to live. I don't know when I'm going to die. Actually, I was listening to a sermon yesterday at our church, and the pastor said, here's a scientific study for you. One out of one people are going to die.
1: Yeah. That's, That's a
2: fact. What do you do while you live? My best friend was was sitting in his home, 26 years old, sitting in his home. Somebody kicked down his door and murdered him. He, We're not promised tomorrow. What do you do while you're alive? Do you want to live? Do you want to lay in a in, in you know in fear and hide from the world? Okay, give me the facts, give me the data. Take your politics over there, and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Give me facts. Give me data. Let me make an informed choice about me and let me and my family sit down and decide what's best for us based on that data. And if you are someone who is afraid and wants to stay in your home and away from the world, good for you. You have that right. I support you. Right? No doubt. It's like I may not agree with you, but I support you. If you're someone who believes that wearing a mask protects you from COVID-19, good for you. If you think you're making an informed decision and you think that's a smart thing to do, or if you're just wearing a mask, even like like me, I'll go out and these stores ask me to wear a mask. I wear a mask. Okay. Why? I don't think it does any good based on every all the data I've, I've heard from what we were being told back in March about the effectiveness of masks. Okay. And what type of mask do what, but you know what? It's out of respect for people around me. Yeah. It's because it doesn't make me feel any better. But if it makes them feel better, okay, I'll respect you enough to do that. I don't like these people. I'm, a, I'm kind of an anti-mask guy. You know that, Vince. It is what it is. But I see these videos of people who are anti-maskers as well, and they want to go to a private business and, and bum rush the place and get in fights and go off on people because you're just as big of a jerk as the people yeah. going off on people who aren't wearing masks. Yeah, that, that's, okay? taking it, that's
1: taking it too yeah, far. Yeah, because
2: look, I believe I have a right to not wear a mask. But you know what else I believe? I believe every business in America has a right to determine who can or can't come into their business. It's and, the same.
1: Like, you know, like at my house, my wife insists everybody take off their shoes when yes. they walk in the door. Okay? If you don't want to take off your shoes, don't come if in. If
2: I try to go to a restaurant wearing, and I just get out of the pool and I just got my wet... You know my wet swimming pool trunks on, and no shirt, no shoes, you think they're going to let me into a restaurant? Uh, probably not. Am I going to talk about my First Amendment freedoms? No, because if you understand freedom, you understand that you don't have a right to impose your views on everybody else. That's correct. Just like you don't want people imposing their views on you. So if a private business decides he wants to not allow smoking in his restaurant, he has that right. Absolutely. And if you don't like it, don't go there. Exactly. Go somewhere else that allows smoking. Yep. Okay? If, if a business says, hey... For the for the safety of my employees, we want you to wear a mask. Now I would argue if that I would not argue, I would discuss with that person if they cared about my opinion about how I don't think that actually protects his people. And if he really wanted to protect his people, he should do A, B, C, and D. Okay, we can have that conversation. But I'm gonna respect his right to do it. And my whole frustration with all of this is we're using so much shaming and so much guilt and all these different things to try to get people to do what we think they should do. Instead of just saying, here are the facts. Get in front of your team and tell them here are the facts and don't give them 150,000 people dead because most of those people are, you know, it's like you'd mentioned the, the, the number of deaths from COVID-19. What question we don't see in that studies, how many people had health conditions that led to that? It's the same with the flu. Yep. Most people that die from the flu are people who had conditions that led them to it. That's a fact Right, that's just part of life. Now that doesn't make it any less tragic. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't we shouldn't take it seriously. But taking something seriously doesn't mean that we shut the world down. And that's my frustration. My grandfather, my first year coaching, I was at Wittenberg University. My first year coaching, my grandfather, who was about 80, 81 at the time, had a heart attack. It's a big one, and they told him he had about six months to live. And they said you need to you need to stay in bed, you need to rest, you need to not exert yourself. And he pretty much said, I'm 80 years old. If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die living. He lived for 14 more years doing stuff. Like a couple months after his heart attack, I drive over there to see him, and he's flipping he's in the the uh the engine of his car fixing stuff. One time my uncle, he was like 87 at the time, my uncle had to come over because he had climbed in the engine and got stuck. <laughs> I'm dead serious. And they, my uncle got him out, and he went right back to fixing his car.
1: But he's not going to sit in bed and just let
2: his life waste right. away. Right. He knew the risks, and he said, if I'm going to die in six months, I'm going to live the heck out of these next six months. He lived 14 years. You know, and, and so that doesn't make, make death, death any less impactful. You know, my, my best friend was killed about 15, 16, 17 years ago. I think about it almost every day. I mean, that stays with you. Right. But, but you live your life, but you live your life making decisions based on reality. And that's what ticks me off about so much of this is people want to shame. They want to, you know, they, they want to blame. They want to, this is what I think. And I'm going to shame you and attack you and cancel you until you do what I want. Get out of here with all that noise. You know what I mean? If, if you're, if you're someone in the media who believes in player rights and players should be played in their likeness and all this kind of stuff? Why aren't you fighting just as hard for the players to have the right to play? Because you know what? They're not making Jack this season off their likeness if they're not playing. Right? Yeah. W- where are you now? Now you can say, hey guys, I don't think you should play, but here's the facts, here's the data, go make your choice and I'll support you. You know what I mean?
1: I, I <laughs> you talk about players' rights, isn't that what the number one right of a player should be their right to choose? I mean, as far as the play or not, that should be the number one thing that they should be able to choose. Mm-hmm. And that that right should not be stripped from them by the university presidents
2: who most likely have never stood in their shoes. no and and and, and, and here's the thing is, even if they have was a long time ago stand in front of them now, I don't care about standing in their shoes. I about care about standing in front of them now, own it. Stand in front of your team before you make this decision. Give these young men a right to make a decision, an informed decision. Well, you know we need to do what's best for them. Well, how come people don't support that when it comes to financial outcomes? Hey, I, you know, I don't think it's best for you that I pay you. Oh, that's not your right to say. It's a free country. It's a capitalist country. Well where are those people now? Those same people are saying cancel football, cancel football, cancel football. It's not about science. it's not about data. It's about emotions. It's about feelings. It's about politics and fear. And here's what you're doing: you're destroying people's lives. You're destroying people's lives. And I'm and I'm not. And let's start. Let's let's let let's talk about this. How many kids go into their final years of football and say, you know, and have that opportunity to, to have that big breakout season, and, and, and they get to go. You think Joe Burrow gets is the number one pick in the draft if 2019 would have been canceled? No, he
1: was a sixth-round projection, I
2: believe, right. going into a senior Say, year. Well, you know, he could come. not all kids can come back. Not all kids are in a position where they can or will come back.
1: Right. Not all schools are in a position where they can pay for them to come right. back.
2: Right. If they grant every kid eligibility, you're going to have 110 kids on your roster? That costs money. Because contrary to belief, scholarships actually cost money. Putting a kid up in a dorm costs money, whether directly or indirectly, because you're not giving that room to another person. I know for a fact that Notre Dame spends at least $100,000 a year for all things, at least on every college football, on every player.
1: Oh, absolutely. The, the, the grant and aid, I remember it was a couple of years ago, one of the parents, when they signed the grant and aid, it was worth $75,000. That's just for room, board, and food. Right that doesn't include all the gear, all the medical train, you know, medical facility access, mm-hmm. travel, the- hotel rooms. Yeah, oh, yeah yes. absolutely. Yes. So, you're easily into six figures, mm-hmm.
2: easily. Yep. And all these people sending these kids home, these colleges sending kids home, it's not about science, it's about fear and liability. And it's time we're honest about that. If Notre Dame makes a decision to cancel their season and send kids home and send kids back to home, you're not you're not making them any more safe. You're making them less safe. So spare me this 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 soapbox of, well, you know, we care about young people. No, if you cared about young people, you'd keep them on your campuses, you'd give them the information, you'd give them the warnings and you say be smart. Because you have medical, you have all these testing, you have all these things that you can do, especially with college football players that you they are so much safer being on campus playing football than they are if you send them home. Yep. And that's just from COVID-19. Let's not talk about the fact I that there there are more players last year that died cuz they were shot back home or shot being out than died from the flu. And I just got done giving you the numbers to show the flu is less deadly and less dangerous to young people than is the than is the flu. COVID is less than the flu. That's a fact. That's data. That's real. That's not emotions. That's not feelings. I'm saying it with emotion. I'm saying it with feeling, but it's not about feelings and emotions. It's about data. If you're sending your kids home, if you're sending your football players home, and you're canceling their season, you're a coward who doesn't actually care about the kids. You're afraid of your own liability. You're afraid of being blamed if something goes wrong. You're afraid of all the different, you know, the 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 uh, the media pressure that's being put on you. You're a coward. You're not a leader. You're not someone who actually cares about the kids. If you think sending 85 scholarship football players back to all different parts of the country, some safe, some not safe at all, I mean, you're going to send a kid back to Chicago with what's going on in Chicago right now? You're going to send a kid back to you know these hot spots in New Jersey and New York or wherever else where there's some places there's rioting, some places there's other things going on, some places there's COVID-19 outbreaks? You think they're safer sending them home? Then having them be on campus in South Bend, Indiana, where you can monitor them, you can give them regiments, you can give them all these types of things to do, that's nonsense. And then there's the other part of the amateurism. Aspect. Well, we can't do special favors for college football players. Bullcrap. Bullcrap. You spend $100,000 on kids. How much gear? Do you give gear to every college student? You're going to give Notre Dame football gear to every student at University of Notre Dame? No. You're going to get them on the the same, you know, at Alabama, you're going to get them, do they get to go eat in the football room? Do they get to eat in the the dining services that are just for athletes? No. You already do that. So don't give me this whole amateurism thing. There's nothing that says you can't keep football players on campus and still do distance learning. Nothing. And here's the whole thing. Well, we're not canceled, just moving it to the spring. What's going to be different in the spring than now? we might have a vaccine. You don't know that. And so what are you going to do? You're going to mandate if you don't get a vaccine, you can't play. That sounds American to you? That sounds like freedom to you? You don't, and and people talk about, we don't know the long-term risks and dangers of COVID-19. You don't know the long-term risk and danger of a vaccine that we just came up with for a virus that just started this winter. Don't tell me it's about safety. Don't tell me it's about caring about your players because you don't care enough about your players to have the cojones to go meet with them and talk to them before you vote. The Big Ten has voted, according to Twitter, 12-2. to 2. Iowa, Nebraska, the only schools that vote against it. Ohio State players have been phenomenal the last week or so in regards to we want to play. Their leadership to college football has been tremendous. Do you think the president and the board of directors stood in front of those players and answered to them before they made that vote? Not a no. Case. Why? Because it's not about the players. It's not about their safety. Some of those kids are going to go home and be just fine. What I know of Master Teague's family, he's going to go home and be just fine. Not all those kids are. I know where some of those kids are from. They're not all going to be safe. They're not all going to be protected. They're not now, And as Trevor Lawrence pointed out, I know when I went to college – my parents could, could barely, uh, barely afford to get me to college, and it wasn't nearly as expensive as a lot of colleges. I, I, you know what I mean? So like when I went home, if I would have got some big thing that costs a big medical thing, my family would have been crushed. Crushed. They couldn't afford to do that. If you're a scholarship athlete and you're playing football, that's getting taken care of. How many colleges do you think are going to pay for kids to get tested every week when they're back home? That's part of the reason a lot of these conferences aren't playing football. The MAC, you don't think the, the money it cost them to test every week was a big reason why they canceled football? If you don't think that, you're fooling yourself. You're naive. Well, the the fact that they're not being able to play any of the Power 5 conferences, which is where they
1: get their money exactly. to run their program, that's why they canceled. Exactly. They can't afford to play sports without those contracts. Yes, they can't. Right. So it was at 100%. It, you, you yes. Can, you don't can dress tell it up it was any way you science. want. Thank you. You. Can, you can dress it
2: up any way you want.
1: You can it put lipstick on a pig.
2: It's still a pig. It was a
1: financial decision. End of discussion. And,
2: and here's my thing. If that's true, I get that. I feel for you. That's why a lot of Division three schools aren't playing. Because they can't afford to do that stuff. It's, just say, hey, look. Because we can't play Big Ten football teams and Pac-12 teams and all this – we can't afford to have a season. We can't afford to p- send our players things. We can't afford to test our kids because I do think testing is important. I, because it's like with anything, if if you have a if you have a sickness right or vulnerability to it, and then you go out and exert yourself, you run the risk of of greater problems, right? I mean that's sure. that's common sense, okay? And and so so I do like the notion of the test, the constant testing, right? And and monitoring symptoms and things like that. That that all makes a lot of sense, right? And some programs can't afford to do that. Notre Dame can. Power 5 teams can. Big 10 teams made $50 million last year on their TV contracts alone. You can afford to test your players. You can afford to test your players. Notre Dame has an $11.4 billion endowment. As we talked about in our previous shows, they're going to get $29 million this year in TV revenue. They can afford to test their players. Big Mac teams can't. But be honest about it. Be real about it. Tell people what's going on. And most s- people would understand it. Hey, you know what? I get it.
1: Yeah. I would have so I much get more respect for the Mac, for example, if they said, look, yeah. we want to play, but we just can't do it under
2: the current circumstances
1: yes. since the Power Fives decided to go conference only. It's just not something that we can do.
2: Financially, it's just not possible. And I would totally understand that. Yeah. So we're going to play in the spring. You know, but again, what's going to change in the spring for the MAC teams? Well, that's the thing. Nothing. Because they're only going to be able to play against each
1: other. It'll probably be a shortened schedule, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, they're hoping that everybody gets pushed to the spring and they'll still be able to get those contracts.
2: And how many other players are they going to lose? Well, yeah. To transfer if other I, leagues do there, play? There was or a, to the NFL?
1: There was an article I read this morning about one... Unnamed Big Ten school, which obviously doesn't matter now, were actively recruiting Mac players for this season, yeah. and they were told that they were guaranteed to start the second they walked onto campus.
2: It just frustrates me, Vince, because all these people that say that they care about the players don't care about the players because they're not listening to players. I reached out to at least ten parents last night of of uh, of players at various colleges, you know, Division one college, and I asked them, "Listen, with everything going on." Will you advise your son to play or not play this year? And every single one, like, immediately responded, I'm "Gonna play." And, and these aren't just like people that that like you say. Well, you know, they don't know any better. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I know the people that I talk to. They're very informed, very informed on that. But why why does their opinion not matter to people? Why does why does the you know if if a parent if 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 it's like this if a kid says, "Hey, I want to play," but mom and dad say no. And they make that decision to family. I I respect y'all because you think you're looking out for your kid. And maybe you are, you know, maybe you know your family's history of a certain blood disease or a certain this disease where if my son gets COVID because heart disease is such a prevalent thing in our family, we worry about the risk of how that could affect him long-term. And you make that decision. God bless you. Hug you. Love you. Sad to see you go, but I respect you. But you made an informed decision and it was your choice. It was your choice. And Rashad Weaver, defensive end for uh, Pitt, had a great tweet last night. And he said, if opting out is okay, then opting in should hold just as much weight. Let those who want to play, play, and those who don't, don't.
1: That's beautiful.
2: This is America. Shouldn't that be the case? And if you're going to tell them not to play, shouldn't you have to get in front of them and explain that to them? Shouldn't you have to give them the data as opposed to these blanket, oh, it's about safety, based on what? Give me the science that says this is about safety. Give me the data, and they don't. They don't do that and they won't do that because they know the science isn't on their side, which is why when they get into these conversations and they try to use data, they use the broad data. X amount of cases. X amount of deaths. Okay, how many of those were the same age of these players and had and did not have pre existing conditions that made them more susceptible to it? How many? 150,000. Uh, 150,000 150, Americans dying, to me, is tragic. Yeah, no doubt. I love this country. I love the people in this country. I don't care what color you are, what sex you are, whether you're a believer like I am or not, whether you lean on the same side of political me or not. I may disagree with you. I may have some harsh words for you, but I love you because you're my brother, you're my sister. I love you. I don't want to see people die, but it's going to happen. And if you don't, if, you don't have co- if you don't play football... It's not going to keep people from dying. like From the whole 150, you know, an 85-year-old in a nursing home who has COVID-19 patients thrust in there, who has doctors or nurses or whoever else thrust in there, guess what? They're, they're still going to be vulnerable whether you have college football or not. And, in fact, if you really want to get real about it and you really want to have a conversation, this whole we look out for the players thing, if you send them home, you're telling me you believe the exact opposite. It means you care more about protecting yourself, protecting your bottom line from a liability standpoint because the thought is, hey, yeah, we're going to lose a lot of money, but if we go out there and play and something happens and all these kids sue us and all these other kinds, we're going to lose even more money. And here's the thing. Yeah, the school may lose a lot of money, but I looked out for the players. I keep my job.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Forget the fact that the town around me is going to be decimated in so many places. South Bend area, this place this place needs Notre Dame's football to survive. Now, would I be willing to put kids' lives at risk to make sure that that continues? Heck no. But I do get pissed off when those people's lives are being endangered and livelihoods are being endangered, more so than lives. Livelihoods. Their futures. Which then, here's something we can study. I would like to see someone prove this wrong. You go through different periods of time where we've had economic uh, uh. Tragedies in our country go back to the date Great Depression, you go look at different periods of time, the economic collapse in the late 2000s, I believe that happened under the Bush administration, right? I believe. Go look at suicide rates during those times. Go look at studies that I've read about suicide rates during this during this lockdown period. Skyrocketed. okay? Why aren't we talking about that? What's going to happen to these kids when they go home? you think they're going be do you think they're going to be more safe back home? Then in a controlled environment on your college campus, no, and the data doesn't support it anyway. So you're going to destroy towns. There's some schools that won't come back from this. They won't recover from it. Financially, they won't recover from it. And I'd be okay with that if it meant we were saving hundreds or hundreds of lives, or even a dozen lives. If you were to tell me if you play football this year, five, three, two. One, college football players are going to definitely die from COVID-19. I'd say, I I don't know if I want to do that. But you can't do that. Because you can't guarantee that, number one, because the science doesn't support that. doesn't. And you know what else? That's true every single year. It's going to be true whether you play fall football or spring football. Because, as I said before, you know what the data shows? Influenza A and B is more deadly than to 19 and 20 and 21-year-olds then COVID-19 has proven to be. That's science. That's data. That's not my opinion. That's that's coming from people that I've talked to, studies that I've done from people who do this for a living. So are we going to never have football again? Because spring or fall, half your season is going to be during flu season. So 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 where does it end? Where does it end? That's my question. Where does it end? Because it's not about the kids. It's not about their safety. It's about a complete lack of courage and a complete lack of leadership. And there's way too much of that in our country. And the fact of the matter is, right now, the best leaders we have in college football are young kids like Trevor Lawrence, Master Teague, Rashad Weaver, Justin Fields. Ian Book was tweeting out last night. Ben Skoronik had a great tweet last night about all this. I mean – you know, he, he, we are safer with the protocols universities have already put in place. Let the players decide we want to play. Ben Skoranek, wide receiver, University of Notre Dame. More common sense than presidents these places. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yes. And, and and that's the frustration. And And, look, we've seen it before. The greatest generation they talk about. The greatest generation, right? Who are we talking about? We're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds that fought in a war, right? That's who the great generation was, right? I mean, we've seen it in time before where people say, oh, you know, these young kids, they don't know any better. Well, you know what? Right now, those young kids are making a lot more sense than people in in, in positions of authority and positions of, of power in our country right now. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, Vince... We're not having a real conversation. People in this country are not having a real conversation. If you, if you, if you feel that that football is is playing football is gonna create more risk for these players, okay, and you really believe that, state your case. I'll respect you. I'll listen. And if you can prove to me that I'm incorrect, I'll do a podcast tomorrow saying, you know what? I saw some real data and this type of thing, and you know what? That mm, they are at greater risk, significantly greater risk. But you know, at the end of the day, I'd still probably say. Tell them that. Show them that data and let them decide. This is the United States of America. We have that right. We should have that right. We've lost it. They're telling us we can't go to church now and we're just taking it. They're telling us we can't run our businesses now and we're just taking it. Now they're saying you don't have the right to play college football and we're just going to take it? Based on what? Give me the data. Give me the facts. Tell me why I'm wrong. I've given you data. I've given you studies. Show me why I'm wrong. Don't come to me with emotions. Don't come to me with your feelings. Okay, You can be passionate because I'm passionate, but come to me with data. And that's why we tried to make this show what it was. That's why I spent an hour last night at like midnight talking to my friend because I'd done my homework and I wanted to see, am I wrong here? What am I missing? Because I care. Because I care about facts. I care about truth. You don't get to pick truth over facts. Those two things go hand in hand. Right? What is facts? What is truth? What is real? Let's talk about that. Then we make informed decisions. But whatever you decide, if you're a school president and you don't go before your players before you make that vote, you're a coward. Plain and simple. If you end your season and you're a commissioner, Before you go in front of your players, you're a coward, you're not a leader, you don't deserve to have the job that you have. If a president decides to cancel football before sending students home, before he's gone in front of his team and and addressed them and listened to their thoughts and concerns and needs, then he should no longer have that job. He's no longer qualified, he no longer has the character, he no longer has the leadership to hold that job, in my opinion. If you're a Big Ten commissioner and you're making this decision – without sitting there and saying here's the data here's the facts let me talk to the players and get a player's rep from every team you can't get you know let let, let the ACC commissioner get on a zoom call with with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Dalen Hayes and, and guys like that and you explain to them and you say hey guys here's why we're doing it get give their feedback if you if you're a leader that's what you do you give them the facts you give them the data you state your case. You don't you don't make it a political decision or, a, or a, a position out of cowardice and fear that's not based on science and data and then try to say it's for what's best for the players because it's not what's best for the players it's not what's best for the players at all and that's what' frustrates me and I and I had somebody on, on Twitter say something to me and it was I mean it's making a fair point it says you know why would the athletes go home most of these schools still have kids on campus okay let's say that that's true what are they going to do all day? You think they're just going to sit in their dorms? They're still going to be. Nobody's worried about if the players are isolated away from campus. Nobody's worried. The concern is being out in the rest of the student population when everything they're bringing into them, right? And that I mean that's what we keep hearing, right, Vince? So if if they stay on campus and there's no football, are they any less safe? Right. The whole thing is,
1: oh, well, when we bring everybody back in and it becomes a bigger thing and they're not in the bubble anymore, blah, blah, blah. Well, then why are you keeping them there? Right. I mean, it's, it's talking out of the two sides of your mouth.
2: That's right. the problem. Right. So either way, whether they send them home or they keep them on campus, they're going to be less structure, less organized activities keeping them safe without football than with football. And at the end of the day, the science does not – there's, no, there's nothing I've seen, no science I've seen, based on people that are under the age of 40, or 50 even, that says we should be doing most of the things we're doing as a nation. And that's the frustrating thing. And that's our rant for today. And so there's going to be a lot of people who don't like what we had to say. And I get that. And I respect okay. that. Because you know what? This is a free country. You don't right. have to believe what I believe. Nope. You don't have to stop listening. You don't have to, I'm not going to kick you off my site because you don't believe it. One of my writers today wrote an article about the offensive line that I didn't necessarily agree with. But you know what? I tell him otherwise because he's allowed to have that opinion. That's what's great about this country. You can have your own opinion. And I can think you're wrong. I can even think you're stupid. But I can still respect your right to have it. You know what I mean? And and, and that's fine. But if you're going to come at me, you better come at me with data. Because your goal should not be to be angry and mad and, yell yell, you're right-winger or all the other nonsense and these petty arguments that people make. Your goal should be to change my mind because I have a platform And I have a platform that reaches a decent amount of people. But if I'm wrong, then I want to use my platform to say, hey, you know what, here's why we don't play. Here's why I shouldn't play. Here's what the data shows. Because that's where my opinion is coming from now. Data. I'm still going to have a job if they don't play football in the fall. That's what I've been told. And if if I lose that job because they don't play and it's because we looked out for players, then then so be it. But people are going to lose jobs and people's lives are going to be affected And it's not backed up on science based on why we're doing what we're doing. It's not. It's not there. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And if I'm wrong, show me the data. Explain the studies to me. Help me be right. Because if you're just going to come at me with emotions, then it's going to tell me. It's kind of like when you get in an argument at some events and you're throwing data and they're calling you stupid or fat. You know you kind of won the argument. They don't have anything else to go with. (laughs) Right. Right? So if all you're going to come at me with insults and all this other nonsense then okay, then then you're exactly who I'm talking about. You're just someone that's in your feelings all the time and you don't have a rational argument to make. Come at me with data, and I'll be more than willing to change my mind because this is a big deal. If I'm wrong about this, it's a big deal. I want to know because there's lives on the line. So talk to me and and, and come at me with with data, with facts. And let's have a conversation because that, at the end of the day, Vince, is all I want. Yep. Why aren't we as a nation having a real open conversation about this? We're being lied to. We're being spun. People are at each other's throats. There's division about all these different things. And that's what I think people in power ultimately want. Sure. Because the, the more we're at odds with each other, the less likely it is that they lose their power because we're not unified. The, the biggest thing that the, that the elites in power fear is a unified people. Sure. They fear, they fear us coming together because that's how they lose their power. And the few times that they've lost their power in massive droves, that's what's happened. We came together, and that's what I think that ultimately they won. That's the conspiracy the, conspiracy theorists in me coming out and saying that. But the fact is that there's no data to prove otherwise. Well, it's all, this is all stuff. It's all is happening now. There's a reason for it, and it's not about science. It's not about data. It's not about truth. It's not about facts. It's about agendas. And the sad thing is these kids are being sacrificed. Their futures are being sacrificed over an agenda, not over science, not over facts, not over looking out what's best for them. Because if you cared about what's best for them, you'd talk to them. doesn't mean you'd just go with whatever they say, but you'd at least talk to them. The fact that they're not doing that tells me everything I need to know. So that's going to be our show. I'm very curious to see how people can respond to this, but this is how I feel. This is how I feel on months of research, months of data, having lived through it, having to, have to make tough decisions on my own, involving my own family. This is what I believe to be true. And if you don't think I'm right, then show me. Be an adult. Come at us with some facts. Because Vince is a father of five. If you have data that shows that him sending his kids back to school this year is going to make them at risk, if you have real data about that, we want to see it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Because there's nothing more important to him than his family. There's nothing important, more important to me than my family my friends, and Vince is a friend. My, I'm going to advise my sister to send her kids back to school. She's on board with me on that because she's done her own homework too because she's a very intelligent, smart person, and there's nothing more important to her than her kids. So if you think that this is anything other than sat, data and science, you think there's any kind of agenda, you're out of your mind. Don't come at me with that because I'm not going to want to hear it. If you think that, that I'm wrong and you have data to support it, I want to hear it, truly want to hear it because I want to do the right thing. I want to protect people if, if it's at all possible. But if if the data shows that, then let's talk about it, and we'll have that conversation. So Anyway, enjoy the show. Hopefully, our next show will be about football. But unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case. I yeah. think we're going to find out here soon that college football this season is going to be canceled. My hope, Vince, is that uh, at the end of the day uh, that, that college football will maybe be done with the Big Ten and Pac-12. I think that's a done deal. Uh, but I also think that there's hope for me uh, that maybe the big t- the Big Twelve and the ACC and the SEC will, will be free thinkers and make their own decisions, uh, yeah, listen sure. to their players, and 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 make a smart because you're playing conference only sports schedules anyway, so it doesn't really matter what those other leagues do. Right. It just means you don't have a bowl game plan. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. there's no reason not to play if you think that's the right thing to do based on the science, based on the data, based on the. Things that your players and your community want. Make an informed decision. Talk to people. Give them the data. Give them the facts. Let them make a decision. And if they want to play, then let them freaking play because this is America. You have the right to make those kind of choices. I have the right to get behind a car and drive somewhere knowing that my life could end at any time because I'm in that car, because I'm on that road. Okay? You make those choices. Make them informed decisions. And if I'm wrong, please, folks, give me the data. Show me the data. Tell me how I'm wrong, and I'm open to it. I truly am, because this is an important topic, and it's not about football. It's really not. So come at us, and I hope you enjoyed the show. I um, hope you'll be back with us. Hope you're checking out what we got at IrishBreakdown.com. A lot of stuff. We've had three of the three of the best weeks we've had in since the season have come in this last month. Uh, we are growing as a community. We're growing as a group. That's been great. I understand that there's probably a risk of us losing people this year if we because of this podcast. You know, people are not going to support it. That's fine. I get it. I get it. If you, don't, if you don't want to hear what we have to say, that's cool. You want to not listen to us, I get it. I respect your right as an American citizen not to listen to my podcast or read my site. But I hope that you will. And if I'm wrong, let's talk. Let's talk about it. You can bring it up on the message board. You can shoot me a, a message on Twitter. My DMs on Twitter have always been open because I want to hear from people. I mean, I'm going to respond to you if you come at me with some nonsense. But come come talk to me. And if you think I'm wrong, prove me wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where the medical journals that I've read are wrong. Show me where my epidemiologist friend is wrong. T- tell me, Because I truly want to know that I'm wrong if I'm generally wrong. But you better come at me with facts and not spin and not politics and not agendas. Okay. And I hope that this is something that can bring us together. I hope this is something that can create a conversation. And that we can stop allowing ourselves to be led down to a very, very, very bad place. We can come together and say enough is enough. It's time for us to come together and talk and make decisions as a people and not constantly be at each other's throats because ultimately I don't want to do that. I mean, I'll fight that fight, but I don't want that fight. I want us to be together. I want us to make decisions that we can all support, whether you agree with it or not, and roll with it. So hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope you guys will be back again soon. For Vince Dario, I'm Brian Driscoll. Have a great, great, safe rest of your day, rest of your week. And always know that you have a home at Irish Breakdown if you want to talk about any of this stuff, anything about college football or anything else. And I know a lot of you have wanted me to stick to football, but I feel like now is a time where I kind of had to go off that track because those things that aren't about football are now affecting football. And I felt it needed to be talked about. So have a great day. Talk to you guys here very soon.